Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. Cut It Straight is a podcast helping you pursue excellence in your preaching and ministry. In this episode, we're going to continue our series, Discerning the Call of God. I hope you enjoy Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast, Episode 16. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. We're going to continue our series, Discerning the Call of God. In this lesson, we're going to look at the call to the ministry. In our last episode and lesson, we looked at two initial calls that must first take place before a man can begin to discern his call to the ministry. Those two are first Uh, A man is called to salvation. Before a man is called to the ministry, he is first called to Christ himself. And then number two, he is called to discipleship. So we must see that we are first saved by Christ by faith and that we are following Christ and that we are obeying his commands. Those two first calls precede the call to the ministry. I want us to look at 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 1. Paul writes, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Winston Churchill was once asked to describe the nation of Russia. This is what he said. He said, and I quote, They are a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma, end quote. Let me read that again. He said this of Russia. They are, quote, a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma, end quote. That's about as close to describing the call of God that we can get. It seems like a mystery. It seems like a riddle, and it definitely seems like an enigma. The call of God into ministry is a concept that few people understand. A calling isn't a mystical form of special revelation, or an audible voice from heaven. When one begins to feel a call of God, they immediately believe they must be called to preach or to pastor. However, there are other callings that we should take into consideration as we discern the call of God. So I want to look at three things in this lesson. Number one, we are called to minister, and then there is a calling to ministry, And finally, there is a calling to the ministry. So let's look at number one here, called to minister. Every Christian is called to minister. This is our service to the body of Jesus Christ. Each member of the body of Christ offers value with their respective giftings. Let's read 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 30. Paul writes, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Then he asked these rhetorical questions in verse 29. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Now, He's asking these questions in hopes that his readers would say no. 
not all are called to be apostles. Not all are called to be prophets and teachers. Uh, not everyone is going to work miracles, and not all are going to work in the gifts of healing. God has created the various body parts in our body, and so the church represents a body, and God has appointed people with specific gifts, tasks, and functions within the body of Christ. And so within the church or the body of Christ are many members with various spiritual giftings. Paul lists the more prominent roles with the less prominent roles to show how both are necessary for the health of the church. And so he wants you to understand that not everybody's going to be an apostle. Not everyone's going to be a prophet. Not everyone's going to be a pastor teacher. Not everyone is going to be an administrator. There are different callings, but each of them has their significance in the body of Christ. And so we must understand that as we are all called to salvation and we're called to discipleship, all of us as Christians are called to minister. We are called to minister. And, and God has gifted us with different callings and different functions to help the body of Christ grow and expand the kingdom of God. And so we must first discern that, yes, I am called to minister because I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I have a place, I have a calling, and I have value within the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 uh, through 14 and Romans 12, 1 through 8 reveal how God has gifted each believer uh, to function in the body of Christ. Therefore, every believer is called to minister. Now I want us to look at called to ministry. Here, your vocation has a direct ministerial component to it. You do not have to meet the first Timothy chapter number three qualifications, nor do you have to be ordained. Now, here are some uh, ministries and giftings that can be in ministry. Uh, this is children's ministry, uh, ministry and church administration, or work in a parachurch uh, ministry. Teacher at a Christian school, church faculty and staff. Now, this is serving the church and the kingdom of God in ministry. And thankfully, uh, God has helped the modern church uh, see that, uh, that others can operate in their giftings and that a pastor and a pastor's wife uh, and, his and his family don't have to do all the work in a church. And that seemed to be the case uh, in, in the uh, late 20th century and early 21st century is that pastors had to do everything. Well, I think we're starting to see the expansion of ministry in the people and in local churches. And so you may not be a preacher, you may not be a pastor, but you could be an administrator, you could be a Christian school teacher, you could work on the janitorial staff full-time, uh, and these are ministries, and you might be uh, receiving a salary from these things, but you don't necessarily have to labor in the Word of the Lord. And so you're called to minister, but now this next step is a call to ministry, and you have value. You're adding things to the kingdom of God that perhaps a pastor or the leadership or the overseers of a local congregation cannot do. And so you are able to bring your strengths where they may have weaknesses uh, and vice versa. And so this is a call to ministry. And there are different functions here that you don't have to meet the qualifications of 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and Titus chapter number 1. And so we're all called to minister. And then you might be called to ministry. Now, 
I know I'm playing on a nuance here on words, but there is then, the third one, a call to the ministry. And so Ephesians 4, Paul writes in Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 12, he said, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints, now look at this, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Let me read that same verse in the King James Version. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, again, for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so Paul sees a difference between a work in ministry and a call to the ministry. The ministry is defined in its own category in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, uh, and again in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, and Titus 1, 6 through 9. These are specific offices and functions that God calls and ordains to lead the church. And so reading 1 Timothy 3 and 1, he says, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, and the King James Version says bishop, he desires a noble task. Now, the word overseer in the Greek is episkopos, translated as bishop or overseer. Now, Episcopos is where the Episcopalian church gets their name from. Uh, and also, when you read uh, in the New Testament, the Greek words Episcopos, uh, Presbyterios, which where uh, the Presbyterian church gets their name, and then we might use the word uh, presbyter in a leadership role, uh, and the word in the Greek poimen. These are the words in the New Testament in the English are presbyter, pastor, and elder and bishop, all these words are used interchangeably, especially like in 1 Timothy 3, in Acts 20 and 17, in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 2. And so when we, we say, and we're teaching here, the, the word overseer is the ministry. Uh, and so and we, we must keep in mind that when the uh, King James Version translators translated the word episkopos into bishop, Remember, they're under the umbrella of the Roman Catholic Church uh, that was very popular, and so they used that phrase bishop, which was very common as an overseer when they translated that word episkopos. So, uh, so we are using these words interchangeably for the ministry as an overseer, a pastor, a shepherd, a teacher. Now, there are responsibilities of being an overseer. In 1 Timothy 5 and 17, uh, the overseer is to rule. Uh, in 1 Timothy 3 and 3 and, and chapter 5 and 17, he is to be able to teach and to preach. Uh, in James 5 and 14, an overseer is to pray for the sick. In 1, in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 2, he is to care for the flock of God. In 1 Peter, again, 5, 1 through 2, he is to exercise authority. And 1 Timothy 4, 14, an overseer is to ordain or entrust the gospel to other leaders. Now, let's look at this 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1. I want to break this down into its various parts. He opens up by saying, this is a trustworthy 
saying, This phrase is only used by Paul, and it's only used in the pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, uh, and Titus. On five occasions, he uses this phrase. It is a trustworthy saying or a trustworthy statement. Each time, Paul does it to draw particular attention to a word or phrase of great importance. Uh, Each of the other times that Paul used this phrase, it is to draw special attention to a biblical doctrine, uh, something of great importance and truth. And so here, Paul wants Timothy and his subsequent readers to sit up and pay attention to what he's about to say. So Paul is saying that the, the qualifications and the call into the ministry is on the same level as biblical doctrine, as uh, a high truth of Scripture that set up. This is a trustworthy saying. You need to listen to what I'm about to say about the call to the ministry. He's wanting to, for, for Timothy and his readers to understand that there's great gravity and there's a great burden upon him to hear what he has to say about the call to ministry and its subsequent qualifications. So our call to gospel ministry, to the ministry, to a particular office is of paramount importance and should be taken with of greatest seriousness. We should uh, have great seriousness if we're feeling this call to the ministry. And so he says, uh, he continues on to say, uh, this is a trustworthy saying, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer. Now the King James Version says, if any man desires or aspires to the office of overseer, he, uh, he desires a noble task. And so this is a limited calling. And I'm not trying to hurt feelings or to uh, be exclusive here, but we must pay attention and we'll look at the qualifications uh, as we go through chapter number three of First Timothy and Titus chapter number one, is that it is a man who is called to be an overseer. And then again, he talks about in First Timothy chapter three and those qualifications that he must be a one woman man. Well, uh, it's difficult for a woman to be a one-woman woman because that would uh, go against nature and, of course, Scripture. And so if a man desires the office of an overseer, uh, so we believe and I teach that is to be an overseer, to be a pastor, to be uh, someone who is an elder, to be in leadership in the body of Christ, he has to be a man. Uh, and so that, now this does not mean that women do not have value in ministry or that they cannot minister, but we must understand that the role of leadership as an overseer is for the man. Now, he says this, those who seek the office of an overseer, uh, this must be a spirit-given compelling desire. The word aspire in the Greek is a rare word appearing only here and in 1 Timothy 6 and 10 and Hebrews eleven sixteen, It means to reach out after, to stretch out oneself to grasp something. The term does not speak of, uh, of our selfish motives, but it is a spirit-given 
motive, a spirit-given ambition. This is a holy ambition. This is something you're reaching out for. I'm aspiring for the call to the ministry. I feel something. It's not out of selfish motives. It's not out of selfish desires, but it is a call that has been placed into my heart that I see the, the, the office, the function, the role, and I desire that. The word desire that he uses uh, means a passionate compulsion. In this context, this is for good and not for evil. Uh, in contrast to aspire, this verb refers to the inward feeling or desire. Taken together, aspire and desire. The two terms describe the man who outwardly pursues the ministry because of a driving compulsion on the inside. The man truly called to the ministry is marked by both an inward consuming fire and a compulsion and a disciplined outward pursuit. There is nothing else that he could do. Ministry is not the best option. It's the only option. It's not because, well, I failed to be a plumber. I failed to be a politician or I failed to be a businessman. So I might as well just be a preacher. No, 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 no. This is the only option. I can't do anything else. This is what I'm compelled to do. Nothing else will satisfy me. I must be called. I must do something for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, listen. A calling into the ministry is not achieved, but it is received from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul writes in Colossians 4 and 17 and say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. So ministry is not something that you achieve, but it is something that you receive from the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, this is not selfish ambition. This is a holy calling that is placed in the heart of a man through the Holy Spirit. The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 5 and 4, And no man takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God just as Aaron was. So we don't say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be a preacher. This is what I'm going to do. I have, I'm, I'm, I, this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. No, it is called. This is something that God puts into your heart that you see. First of all, I'm called to salvation. I'm called to be a disciple. And then you see your unworthiness in those two first steps. And I'm not worthy of his salvation. I'm not worthy to follow him. And here again, you say, how unworthy I am. Am I to be called into the ministry? So I don't just go after it because I have nothing else to do. I do it because it is the call of God in my heart. I am burdened with it. As Paul would say, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. And Paul says here, this is a noble task. The ministry is a fine task, an honorable, excellent, high-quality work. It is the most worthy and glorious calling. I'd rather be a preacher than the president. I'd rather be a preacher than a king or a monarch. I'd rather be a preacher than a politician or a billionaire, a successful CEO of a Fortune 500 company. This is the greatest calling to do the work of the ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me say this. He says this is a noble task, and we should not overlook that word task. Ministry is work. It is the work of of the Lord. The office of pastor, teacher, evangelist is not a position to be occupied. It is a job to be completed. This is the work 
of the Lord. Ministry is not frivolity and relaxation. Studies show that pastoring and full-time ministry is one of the most stressful jobs in this country because ministry is work. It's stressful. You're dealing with the souls of men. This is eternal work that we are doing. I remember being 18 years old. I grew up in an apostolic church in Bloomington, Indiana, and I was I think I was 18, I may have just turned 18, and we had a revival, youth revival, with uh, Joel Urshan. And I think he was about a year or two older than me. And my, what, what preaching we heard during that revival, I was just a drummer in the church. I, I was the one who wanted to make everybody laugh. I was the class clown of the youth group. Played music, that's all. I just loved music, and I wanted to be a professional musician. I, I aspired to that for many, many years. Well, I remember Sunday afternoon, I was pulling out of the church parking lot, and we had just had our Sunday morning service with Joel Urshan. I'm pulling out. I'm just the drummer. I'm just the, the, the funny guy in the, in, the, in the youth group, and I'm pulling out to go to Long John Silver's to eat lunch, and I have this voice in my spirit say, you're going to do that one of these days. And I was like, what? What was that? And I heard it again. You're going to do that one of these days. Well, I put that in the back of my mind and kind of laughed it off and went on to have lunch and forgot about it. And then a few years later, God was working in my soul, and I was about 22 years old, and I felt it again. I felt that call again. I felt that burden again. And I really ran hard from it because, like I said, I was pursuing other things. I wanted to be a professional drummer, a musician, and I worked really hard. I gave my life to that. Spent lots of money taking lessons and studying and having equipment and traveling, doing it. And then again, my life hit the very bottom that it could go around 2005, March of 2005. And I walked home and I just heard the Lord and I felt His Spirit and I just said, Lord, I'm tired of running. And God really got a hold of me and drew me to repentance and got a hold of my spirit and my heart and my life. And I began to separate some things from my heart and my friends. And I began to do things differently. I'm going to change things and make things right. And I felt that call. And I worked in our local church there in Bloomington. One of my closest friends was our youth pastor, and I said, man, teach me a Bible study. Help me. I just want to be immersed in Scripture. I want to be immersed in the church. And any chance I got, I wanted to be at the church. As soon as I get off work, I'd go to the church, do something there. And it wasn't long after, uh, a couple months later, my, my friend asked me to, to speak at our youth class, and I'll never forget. I was so nervous, and I didn't know what was going on in me. I just remembered feeling something, and I got together a little talk, you know, a little little speaking point. And I, I, I talked about wherever your treasure is, there's where your heart is. And I, I talked about that. And my friend, uh, who was our youth leader, Darren May, said, I, you're going to be preaching uh, conferences one of these days. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what are you even talking about? And it was just a couple months after that first moment of just doing a talk, someone called me to come preach a youth service. And then a, less than a year after that, I got asked to preach out of state in my first youth revival. I didn't know what to do. I was so clueless. But I felt something in my heart and in my spirit, the call of God. 
I was aspiring to do what he had called me to do. I sold all my drums. I sold all my equipment. I got rid of everything. I moved in with my mom. I, I left it all because I wanted to serve him. I couldn't do anything else. And, I, and, and, and through subsequent things that happened in my life, and, and, and God called me to evangelize and to travel, and I seen the world. I went to Africa. I went all over the country, and I preached. And I just looked up. I look back now, and I'm thinking, how in the world did God use me? Why did he pick me? And still to this day, as I get to help pastor a thriving revival church in Knoxville, Tennessee, I pray, God, why did you choose me? Why me? It's how, how could you choose someone like me? There's so many other people. And I remember saying that as I closed today, I remember when God began to deal with me. I, I lived an hour south of Indiana Bible College, and I said, Lord, there's so many people up there who want to be preachers, who want to do this. They're desiring that, and you're calling me. So I don't, have a, I, I don't come from a, a home that's a preacher's home. I didn't have a father that was a preacher, a grandfather that was a preacher. I, I don't know why you're calling me. I just felt this this burden, like I can't do anything else. And if you have been f feeling this call of God for the ministry, that's an appropriate feeling. It's an indispensable feeling. Charles Spurgeon said this, the first sign of a heavenly calling is an intense, all-absorbing desire for the work. In order to be a, for it to be a true call to the ministry, there must be an irresistible, overwhelming craving and raging thirst for telling others what God has done to our own souls, end quote. Not all can oversee and rule. There have to be those who will be overseen and ruled. All are not called to labor in preaching and teaching. However, all can minister and make disciples. And he called some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, this is where we need to discern the God's call for our life. Many good men have ruined their lives because they felt a call but didn't know specifically what they were called to do. They just figured it was a call to preach and pastor, and they've ruined families. They've ruined churches. They've ruined cities. But listen, you must discern, am I called to minister? Am I called to ministry? Am I called to the ministry? Every Christian is a member of the body of Christ. You have value. There's a, there's, there's a part for you in the kingdom of God to do something. There are roles and duties that must be fulfilled. But listen, the body of Christ is made up of many diverse members with specific roles and responsibilities. Some want to skip this and go directly to be a bishop, an overseer, a pastor. But listen, you must first be a saint. The call of God to the ministry involves important questions qualifications, self-study and evaluation, counsel and consideration. This is not a light thing. This is a very serious matter. And I hope and I pray that I can help you just a little bit to discern the call to the ministry. Thanks for tuning in to the Cut It Straight podcast. For more information and episodes, go to nswhitley.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Cut It Straight podcast on iTunes. Go to Facebook and search for N.S. Whitley and like and share my page. And follow me on Twitter at N.S. Whitley.